You know, it seems strange that the cross would be such a symbol of hope for us. But if you go back 2,000 years in Christian history, you'll find that the number one symbol that Christians have used to identify themselves before a world that is lost is this symbol of a cross. And in fact, the Apostle Paul tells us, even though he tells us not to boast in many things, he tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he talks about what he does boast about. And he said, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Can you imagine boasting in the cross? Now, for us today, that doesn't seem too odd because we know what the cross means. But in that day, the cross was not an ornament that you wore around your neck. It wasn't something that you put on the steeple of your church. It wasn't something that you put behind the baptistry. They didn't even have baptistries as such back then. But the cross in that day was a horrible Uh, instrument of suffering and death. To us, it would be like uh, saying, I glory in the electric chair, or I I rejoice in lethal injection, because it was the means whereby criminals were put not just to death, but to a horrible suffering death. And so to boast in the cross seemed rather strange probably to people in that day. And it may seem strange to you today. But why should we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ? Uh, When we read the accounts in the Bible, uh, it, it really doesn't give much description of the crucifixion. But it didn't need to in that day because everybody in Israel had seen a crucifixion. It was a common event. And people... Uh, were, were taken by the Roman soldiers, they were, were beaten, and then they were nailed to a cross. Nails driven through their hands or through their wrists and through their feet. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And so, why would we boast? Why would Paul say, I boast in the cross of Jesus Christ? And I want to just give you three or four reasons. It'll be very brief tonight. But one reason that we boast in the cross of Christ is that by that cross, the wisdom of God was demonstrated. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is again talking about things that he would boast in and the importance of the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross, that is the preaching, the proclamation of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God and then down in verses 24 and 25 in that same chapter he says but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God and then listen to this for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When we think about the cross, sometimes people would say, and certainly they did in that day, they would say, how foolish that a man would come claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, and that he would be taken, mistreated, and then crucified. How 
odd is that? How strange, how unusual. And people would say how foolish and how weak that would be for him to allow such a thing to happen. And by the way, he didn't have to allow it to happen. He could have, he told himself, he could have called legions of angels to come and set him free and to to destroy the whole area there around the cross. And he said, I Uh, No man takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. And so when Jesus died on the cross, it was not weakness and it was not foolishness. It was, in fact, the power of God because the power that it took to forgive our sin and to totally defeat all of Satan's strategies, it is amazing the power that was unleashed on that cross And when Jesus hung his head and when he died, the Bible says there was an earthquake that shook the whole place. And and the power of God was being demonstrated. But not just the power of God, the wisdom of God. If you were to go back in time, far, far, far back, further than you can even imagine. If you could even go back before creation. If you could go back before God ever said, let there be light. There was an event that had taken place in eternity past in which the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Now we look at this, we look at the cross and we see the, watch the the movie, Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, and and we, we cringe and we do, and I wept when I watched it. But we have to understand This was enacting in time what had already been wisely determined, sovereignly determined before the world was ever created. Because God knew in his wisdom that there would be sin and that there would be sinners and that there would be judgment and therefore there must be a satisfactory sacrifice to atone for sin and to redeem sinful men and women and boys and girls. So we see in the cross the power of God and the wisdom of God. But we also see in it the mercy and love and the, and the grace of God. Listen to this passage, a rather lengthy passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. We're going to see two words used very much in these two. It's going to talk about God's love, and it's going to talk about God's grace and God's mercy. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own. It is the gift of God, so that, and not the result of work, so that no one may boast. What do we boast in? We don't boast in our works. We boast in Christ's work. We boast in the fact that God's mercy and God's grace were given to us through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and mercy, 
They're similar in some ways. Mercy leads to grace. Grace results from mercy. It's often been explained this way, that mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. And grace is when God does give us what we don't deserve. I often tell a story about something that happened to me and my brother when we were little boys. There was a, a man from, from England who had moved into the uh, house that we were living in. And because he spoke a rather uh, uh, British dialect and because he had rather strange British ways and he wore a little strange British hat and everything like that, my brother and I thought that it would be fun to torment this man. His name was Mr. McCoy. And we did torment him and uh, uh, in many ways. But one day, as he was walking down uh, along a, a fence row, just that little derby hat of his was just kind of bouncing up and down as he walked along. And my brother and I thought it would be fun to try to knock the hat off of his head. So we both picked up a handful of rocks, and on the count of three, we threw the rocks, and we did knock his hat off, and we also put quite a lump on his head and then as, as soon as he screamed, we took off running. And since he was walking this way, we were running that way, but he was smarter than we realized. And so when we got to the end of the fence and peeked around the fence to see what he was doing, to our surprise, there was a very angry Mr. McCoy looking right into our face. And he grabbed me by one arm and my brother by the other arm. And he said, boys, I have had it with you. I, you have tormented me ever since I've been here. Of course, he said it in perfect British English. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I need to do? You know what I ought to do to you? And, of course, we knew the answer to that was that he ought to tell our father. And then we would both uh, be whipped severely because my dad certainly would never tolerate us doing a thing like that. And he looked at us, and he, I guess he saw the, the terror in our eyes, and he said, you know what I'm going to do to you boys? And we shook our head, no, sir. And he said, I'm going to take you over here to Frosty Land, and I'm going to buy you an ice cream cone. And we both looked at each other, and he turned loose of our arms, and he started walking toward the little ice cream stand that was just a, maybe 50 yards away. And uh, everything in my mind was saying to me, run. But the idea of ice cream was saying, follow Mr. McCoy. So we followed along behind him, and we got to uh, the little ice cream stand. Mr. McCoy said, uh, I'd like two ice creams, please, for my friends here. So we looked around to see if somebody else had joined us because we certainly didn't think we were his friends. And uh, he took those ice cream cones and he gave me one and he gave Don one. And uh, we looked up at him. Then he reached in his pocket and he pulled out. And they were actually cost a nickel back then. This was back years ago, of course. And he gave, uh, he paid for the ice cream. And then he reached in his pocket, took out two more nickels. And he said, boys, here's you another nickel so you can buy some more ice cream tomorrow. Well, <clears throat> I didn't understand it at that time, but Mr. McCoy was showing mercy and grace. Now, we know what we deserved. We should have and certainly had earned a thrashing from our dad. 
And this was also back in the time when dads thrashed. And so we, we, uh, we certainly knew what we deserved. And what we would have gotten had he just simply reported our activity to our dad. But he didn't. He did not give us what we deserved. And that was mercy. But he went beyond mercy. He gave us what we really thought we needed. I don't know whether we really needed ice cream, but we, uh, we wanted it very badly, and we enjoyed it, we loved it, and then he gave us uh, a supply of money to buy some for the next day. So, so what an amazing man. And by the way, we loved Mr. McCoy after that. We just absolutely thought he was the most wonderful man that had ever lived. And so I learned that day, didn't know it at that time, but I learned in that event the difference between mercy and grace. Let me tell you, God looked at us at a time when we were sinners. Stephanie read the passage just a little bit ago. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want you to know, God looked at us and he could have said, you deserve judgment. You deserve death. You deserve eternal separation in hell from me forever. And he would have been exactly right in doing that. But he showed us mercy through the cross in that he did not give us what we deserved. But God is also a God of justice. And he could not just overlook our sin. He had declared that the payment of sin was death. So to show the mercy of God, he did not give us the death we deserve. To show the grace of God, he extended to us the opportunity to pay for our sin. And to show the justice of God, he died on the cross for our sins. So in the cross, we have the justice of God the mercy of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And then one last thing I'll mention, there's many, many more things in the cross, but we see the righteousness of God. Do you know that no one can ever go to heaven, no one can ever enter into the presence of the living God, a holy God, without perfect righteousness? Does that surprise you? You might say, well, My goodness, who has a chance then? In fact, in Jesus' day, he looked about and there were the Pharisees. They were the most righteous people in the whole community. They lived by every word of the law. They practiced every detail of the law. In fact, Jesus said they would tithe even of the mint and cumin that was in in their, their window boxes. And they were so fastidious. They were so careful to keep every law. But Jesus said to his disciples and to to the other people listening, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds, goes beyond, is better than the righteousness of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that must have shocked everybody. They must have thought, how in the world could our righteousness exceed their righteousness. And every one of them thought, well, I, we, don't, we don't keep the law. But I want to tell you something. Did you know God did not give us the law so that we could keep it and thus earn our way into his 
presence by our righteousness. He gave the law, the Bible says, to actually reveal our sin. He gave the law to us to show us our absolute inability to keep the law and to drive us to a place where we would say, God, I need a Savior. I need someone to take my place. And that's exactly what God did on the cross. What Jesus did in, in, in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. In other words, God's righteousness has been shown to us that is greater than the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. And they are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that is a satisfying uh, sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, I'd like to say a lot about that passage, but I'll just say this, that the only way you or I or anyone else has any hope of ever standing in the presence of a holy God and going to heaven and live with him forever is to have perfect righteousness on our account. And you say, well, that's impossible then. How, how could that possibly be? In fact, I have, I have sin on my account. The law actually condemns me. The law shows me that, that, I, that I cannot be righteous before God. And that's exactly right. And that's where the cross comes in. Because Jesus looked at you and he looked at me. He looked at all of those that he'd come to say. And he said, you have no righteousness because all have sinned. But I am going to take your sin on me. And the Bible tells us that that he actually, literally, that our sins were laid upon him that he bore our sin in his own body on the cross. So he took my sin and your sin, took it into himself, and then he died for that sin. That's the death that you deserve. That's the death that I deserve. But he died in your place and in my place. But he did more than that. Because if he had just taken away our sin that still would have not given us righteousness. It would have only left us innocent or clean. But he took our sin, and then he gave us his righteousness. God made him who knew no sin become sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
So on the cross, on the cross, we see the wisdom of God. We see the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, and the righteousness of God. And he says to you and to me, I took your sin. Now I give you my righteousness. It is a gift. It is a gift. And how do you receive a gift? You don't work for it. It wouldn't be a gift. It would be wages then. You don't pay for it. It would be a purchase then. The way you receive a gift is by saying thank you. And you take it. And Jesus says to you today, I have taken your place, your sin, your judgment. And now I give you my righteousness. Will you receive it? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that faith is not of yourself. It's not of works. It's a gift of God. So that no one can boast in their righteousness. But we can and do boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the cross. And I know that there are many people in the world today who still look at the cross and think of it as just a symbol, and some even laugh about it. They think of it as foolishness, even as the Greeks did in, in Paul's day. But we know that it is not foolishness. It is divine wisdom. We know that it is not weakness. It is unbelievable power. And we know that it is through that cross that grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and righteousness become ours. And we know that it all became ours through the wonderful, glorious sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. And we would just have to say, hallelujah, what a Savior. listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.